Greetings, welcome, bienvenidos, hola, aloha, ni hao, namaste, konnichiwa, bonjour, bonjourno, saudi, corrupt, guten tag, jau, we viva, cat bang, half a day, privyet, jai janendra, salam, shalom, peace, now, go vegan, peace how, go vegan. Well, this is Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden, America's first vegan radio show. Here we are since 2001, when we were definitely a space oddity on the radio dial, uh, taking up space in the beginning. Nobody knew what vegan was. They called it vegan or oi-vegan. Oi, vegan, don't tell me I have to give up my pastrami and my salami and my chopped liver and gefilte fish. Don't point out that right in the beginning of the Bible, Genesis book 1, verse 29, it tells us to be vegan. Don't tell us that. Oi, vegan, vegan, you vegans, what are you telling me? And now it's all exploding everywhere and massive numbers of people around the world going vegan all the time, huge events around Southern California happening right about now from Eat, Drink, Vegan and Disclosure Fest and just, it's happening, it's happening uh, and summer is here and, you know, a lot, a lot is happening. Um, this, uh, you, well, you're probably too young to remember the summer of love, like some of us do, over 50 years ago. Um, and uh, back then, we had our Woodstock. Uh, again, you're probably too young to have attended, as some of us did. Yes, I was there. I was the one who bought a ticket. I actually spent the $7.50 and got up there with 400,000 other people who didn't have tickets. And, you know, the gate, the gates came crashing down. And I'm the one there going, no, that's not fair. Don't let them in. I, They didn't pay. I, um, so, <laughs> you know something? The, the ticket price is a little higher for Reggae Vegan Fest. But, um, you know, back then they had their Woodstock. And now we have the Summer of One Love all species, and we have San Diego Reggae Vegan Fest on Sunday, July 21st, and LA Reggae Vegan Fest on September 15th. So, the summer of one love, all species. Um, and we hope that you will be there. It's truly an amazing, an amazing event that we have planned for you. If you go to reggaeveganfest.com, you'll see the Incredible lineup, Third World starring in San Diego, and uh, well, just uh, it's just an incredible lineup that we have. Jordan T uh, just uh, came onto the bill in San Diego. Yami Bolo, uh, Yakopo. I mean, it's just uh, it's it's just going to be one of the greatest days of music ever. Um, something like uh, Woodstock, except only better. Because it's vegan, we almost knew it back then. the The hippies, the hippies were you know getting into getting into a vegan trip. They were 
they were doing their thinking, you know, but it was it wasn't quite there yet. So, um, yes, yes, indeed, Reggae Vegan Fest, uh, better than Woodstock because it's vegan. Um, so uh, we're here. It's the summer. People are starting to fire up the barbecue and uh, create those uh, HCAs. You know, when you when you grill uh, animal flesh, uh, heterocyclic amines are formed. They are carcinogenic. So um, then, of course, uh, you follow that up with ice cream. I scream, you scream, we all scream for ice cream. We, we actually should be scream, screaming. Well, the, of course, the cow was screaming um, because she's raped. It's called a rape rack in the dairy industry. You can't have a baby without the pregnancy, so there's a rape in the dairy industry. It's done on what the dairy industry calls a rape rack. So uh, then there's the rape, then the baby's born, the baby is kidnapped, screams for his mother, but he's taken away to become veal. Uh, his mother screams for uh, her baby, uh, but he's been taken away, um, and uh, so has his uh, food, his milk, um, you know, getting chilled, getting chilled to become ice cream. Um, I don't know, I, really... Everybody should scream and run from scary dairy. Just from, you know, just from the, the one aspect of it that, uh, well, um, there's, I, I mean, I, I don't want to gross you out, but actually I do want to gross you out because a lot of people go vegan when they get grossed out. And uh, Cindy Sheehan attributed listening, Cindy Sheehan, Peace Mom, attributed uh, her going vegan to listening to this show and, you know, getting grossed out. And that's part of our job here. I just, uh, and I, I don't gross you out just because I care about animals and love animals. Uh, I just think, you know, I mean, parents should know how much pus they are shoving down their children's throats. Don't you think? I mean, um, when it comes to dairy, it should scare you. You know, you're you're eating and drinking pus and blood. No, it's not a milk mustache. It's a pustache. So here in the uh, United uh, Surveillance States Republic, or USSR, or uh, I mean USA, uh, here in the USA, the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration, allows 750 million pus cells in every liter of cow's milk that you buy. Woo! Huh. Now, in the more health-conscious Europe, uh, you, you cut down on your pus cells. You're only allowed 400 million uh, pus cells per liter of cow's milk. So, huh. I mean, and I know you're in the mood. It's like you say, like, down with regulation, right? I mean, who's the government to, to tell me how much pus is allowed in the cow's milk, you know, I pour in my children's Fruit Loops? Who's the government to say, right? And uh, can you really trust pus science these days? I mean, who are these pus scientists anyway? I mean, do they have a degree in pus science to determine the proper allowable number of pus cells in a liter of milk? 
Why is there such a discrepancy between what's allowable in the U.S. and the U.K.? What is it, like Harvard Pus Scientists today released a study showing that the, uh, the, 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 the maximum number of pus cells allowable in a liter of cow's milk uh, before the public gets totally grossed out by the concept of pus-infused ice cream cones anyway? Well, that's... We've decided it's 750 million pus cells per liter. Nobody's going to mind that. They won't get grossed out. But, you know, if we, if we said 800,000, that would sound like, well, too much. You know, almost, uh, you know, almost, almost a billion, right? Almost a billion. We can't, can't, can't have that. So, um, you know, the, pub, the public couldn't handle a billion pus cells in a liter of milk. Would you, would you give your child a glass of milk knowing a billion pus cells are allowed in a liter? Of course not. But 750,000, no big deal, right? Um, okay, so uh, <laughs> it's pretty, pretty amazing, isn't it? Meanwhile, today, a study in the UK released by Oxford University pus scientists determined 400,000 pus cells uh, per liter of milk would be acceptable. They do not pose a public health risk. But at about 450,000, 500,000 pus cells per liter, well, who really knows what that does to your health, to your body? Does it do, does it do your body good? Uh, I don't know. I have to wonder. It's so totally gross. But, you know, sometimes, what can I tell you? The truth is gross. We have to go there. We have to go where the truth is. So, um you know, so and and in fact, today, by the way, since uh, we are going to be discussing cannabis with Shelley uh, Shelby Huffaker from uh, Tory Holistics in San Diego, one of our sponsors of uh, of San Diego Reggae Vegan Fest. Um, so uh, yeah, Shelby will be here. So I imagine a lot of people will be interested in the subject of cannabis, and you know maybe I don't know. Did they hit a bong before turning on this show? And you know maybe uh, maybe talking. You know maybe maybe they'll be in the mood to 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 just get grossed out, right? And just ooh pus ooh 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 ooh. Um, so uh, yeah, think think about that. Think about that. Um, the uh, commandment to be vegan is in the Bible, as I said, um, and pus is in the milk. Um, now, I, I, I'm, I'm not, uh, you know, doing any of this to support or oppose any religion, uh, you know, by, you know, talking about how... It uh, goes in circles, and in the beginning of the Bible, it says to be vegan, and yet, well, how can there be kosher meat? And I don't know. It's just, uh, I'm just, uh, I'm just an observer here. Just a, just an observer. Um, you know, I'm just uh, looking at what's true, what's not true. You know, the commandment to be vegan is right in the beginning of, you know, a book that, I mean, people, you know. They're so into it, they go by it. I mean, like it's like it's their Bible, right? It's like, oh, that's the Bible. So, and that's in Genesis, book one, verse twenty-nine, the commandment uh, about being vegan. It is there, um, and it's early enough in 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 the book to like, 
you know, it's like right there. If you, you catch it in the beginning, you know, like before you go skimming around to see, flipping the pages to see who's getting turned into a pillar of salt. It, it's right there to get you like Genesis book one, verse 29, that you are to be vegan. So, um, you know, it's uh, there in the Bible so much so. And they do call it about the Bible, right? So like that, how do people miss like the first commandment ever, right? So, um, I don't know. So, um, and, and think about that, you know, think about what you're putting in your mouth. So, you know, that's in the Bible. It's in the Bible that uh, we're supposed to be vegan. I don't think God wanted us to have uh, God, he, she, or it, if there is a God wanted us to be consuming that much pus, you know? I mean, like, it's like God's computer game. Like, will they catch the, the instructions in the beginning, uh, or will they eat meat, dairy, fish, and eggs, and then, ha, let's watch the, uh, the floods, uh, the, the, the drought, the wildfires. I told them so, right? God, God says, I told them so, but now, ha, my game here so uh, but you might want to think about what what you're putting in your mouth right like you would think that that people who are you know in the higher consciousness realm uh would give some consideration to what's in their mouths or whom uh or who is in their mouths uh, and uh, you know it's like uh you know a bang or a bing? Is it a better a bang than a bing, right? A bang, a bing, a bang. Uh, a, a bang, better a bang. Anyway, so uh, <laughs> I don't know here. Um, so maybe that'll be my new chant if I if I go uh, if I go to a cannabis festival or something. You know, it's like, hey, dude, better a bang than a bing, right? Like, think about that. You're chewing on somebody. Like, doesn't that? Where's, where's the higher thought? The, the, higher, the higher, conscious, higher consciousness thought. Like in Jamaica in the 1930s, uh, the people, the, the, the culture that gave us reggae, uh, the Rastafari, uh, they had those thoughts and they came up with being vegan. Well, there were biblical references uh, to it also, but, uh, you know, they, they came up with the concept of ITAL. ITAL, uh, the word ITAL is, is vegan. They came to be vegan back in the 1930s. Um, the decade before the word vegan was actually um, invented in the 1940s in the UK. So um, there you have that, that uh, Higher conscious uh, thinking should should take us to that point, shouldn't it? So uh, the people in Jamaica who gave us reggae, who were vegan, uh, said, you know, came to the conclusion that dead animals don't elevate liberty, the life force within us all, according to that culture. Um, I mean, can you can you imagine higher consciousness Ital Jamaican thinkers in the 1930s recognizing that uh, you know true food, real food grows from the earth, and uh, 
you know, they're considering true food and they decide, yeah, okay, yeah, we'll eat fruits, vegetables, nuts, grains, seeds, and beans. And, uh, oh, of course, uh, don't forget the pus. Don't forget the pus, huh? <laughs> uh, and it, uh, the, can you imagine them saying, but pus, does pus elevate liberty, huh? Really? Like, um... I am apparently talking too much about pus today. Is that like, uh, I don't know, too much to where is it? Is it like too much to where um, you're you're ready to just turn off your self, uh, you know, self, uh, uh, self, uh, self surveillance listening device player, um, or is pus like poopy an audience builder? Vegans are number one at number two. Um, I don't know, maybe Google has stats on, on how long I can stay on the topic of pus and, and grow the audience or chase the audience away. Uh, all right, I'll stop. I'll stop soon. I know all this news about... Uh, all, all, all the news about pus regulations is very disturbing, right? If you're, if you're like me, you're totally against... Well, you know, I've, I've come to be against regulation to a degree. So I'm against all pus regulation, huh? I mean, how, how can I trust pus regulators? Who's counting the pus in each liter of milk uh, as it's bottled or put in a carton? Huh? I, you know, I don't know which pus scientist to trust anymore. You know, is it 750,000, uh, you know, pus cells, 400,000 pus cells per liter that I would prefer? I'm, I'm for, for freedom of pus, freedom of pus. And, uh, and don't we want to protect the rights of uh, dairy operations anyway to have unlimited pus in your milk? I know. It sounds like a fairy tale utopia. Deregulation, unlimited pus, uh, no regulation of dairy pus at all. Um, now, when you talk about that, actually, you're talking about Australia. <laughs> That's right. Australia has no regulations on pus. So it uh, uh, kind of makes you want to jump on a plane for Sydney right now and have, have a cheese pizza, huh? Or some ice cream. Ice cream, you scream, we all scream for ice cream. Yeah. Australia, the land of unlimited pus. Um, <laughs> you know, at some point, the dairy industry is going to get the FDA to uh, to have uh, pus declared a nutritional supplement. So, you know it's going to happen in this environment. <sighs> okay. Um, so... Uh, let's see here. Um, in, in, in just closing the discussion on pus right now, by the way, um, and believing that, uh, maybe it's building an audience right now. People who've tuned into the show to, to hear the subject of cannabis are doing bongs and bongs. And it's like, oh dude, you're talking about pus. Oh, this is calling their friends no texting their friends we would have called our friends back in, no we couldn't call our friends back in the days of woodstock we didn't have cell phones well we would have called them and they would have had they would have to answer their phone at home and there were no answering machines um <laughs> my how times have changed huh so um all right well i'm just going to go with the concept that i can 
talk a little bit more about pus, really build up the audience for the show, and then sell everybody on coming you know, to a pus-free uh, environment like uh, San Diego Reggae Vegan Fest, L.A. Reggae Vegan Fest. We're going to have the most fantastic food and no pus, no pus in the food. Um, but uh, isn't there a doctor on TV who pops pimples, like, and she gets huge ratings, right? So we just stay with me just a little more. The more you get grossed out about the idea of, you know, chewing on a decomposing corpse, the more the chance that you go vegan, the more you get upset with the idea of pus in your milk. Maybe, you know, because people, they're always like, well, I could go vegan, but except for the cheese, right? So, um, And in fact, we're going to have a vegan wine and cheese tasting in San Diego, San Diego Reggae Vegan Fest. We have VIP tickets on sale right now. VIP tickets, you get, uh, uh, what do you get? You get a t-shirt, a festival t-shirt. You get a tote bag. Along with that tote bag, uh, you get vegan dog and cat treats from Evolution, vegan dog and cat food. You will also receive um, new organic vegan dog and cat food from Evolution, evolutionpetfoodshop.com. Let's see, did I have... Did I want to give you the number for Evolution here? Do I have it with me? Yeah, the, the phone number for Evolution... 651-492-2190. It, too, is a sponsor of uh, San Diego Reggae Vegan Fest. And uh, if you call the first uh, Wednesday of the month, you get a discount. If you're a new customer, you get a discount. Uh, so we're going to have a vegan wine and cheese tasting, 4 to 6 p.m., at San Diego Reggae Vegan Fest. We have seven wines for you to, uh, to taste and at least three vegan cheeses. And, um, you know, for, for all, all of you pus enthusiasts, no, no, pus, no pus in the cheeses at our vegan wine and cheese tasting, okay? So, um, and, uh, you know, I'm talking about pus all this time and I, come, I, I guess the idea comes to me that maybe... Well, how much do you really know about pus? Huh? Are you ready for the Go Vegan Radio pus quiz? Okay. What color is pus? Green. We'll make it multiple choice because, just because. Green, pink, yellow, or white? What color is pus? Green, pink, yellow, or white? If you answered all of the above, yes, you would be correct. Okay. Um, so, uh, well, I shouldn't say all of the above, right? Because that would only be in writing where you say all of the above. It's, you know, everything I just mentioned, those colors. Yeah. Okay. Um, and, uh, yeah, there's no above here right now. We're, there's no above. This is linear. Uh, this is digital linear. Um, okay. So, uh, all right. Well, what? Okay, now that you know the color of pus, uh, or the colors of pus, it's like kind of a pus rainbow, really. Um, pretty disgusting, right? But not as disgusting as, you know, what pus actually is. I'll ask Google, I'll, I'll ask know-it-all Google to tell us, okay? W what is pus, actually, Google? Google says it's a thick fluid caused by infection that includes white blood cells and 
cellular debris. Mmm, yummy, yummy, yummy. 750,000 of those cells in a liter of milk in any, in any scary dairy that you want to consume. Ice cream, you scream. We all scream for ice cream. Your cheese pizza, your butter, yogurt. Huh? Pus, pus, pus everywhere. Okay, so, um, all right. So I, I, I just, after this, though, I just have to wonder, like, if if a parent would listen to the show, apparently, um, would would that would it make you consider or reconsider forcing a steady stream of uh, bloody infection fluid full of debris and you know, white blood cells? <sighs> I don't know. It's kind of gross, right? And then um, then you have to consider. Why all this pus? The cows must all be sick, right? Because if it, if it's from an infection, well, you know, they have mastitis. Uh, it's just utter madness. Utter madness. Dairy is scary. Um, okay, anyway, uh, I guess that'll, that'll do it for this subject matter. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about uh, San Diego Reggae Vegan Fest coming up. Uh, we have our guest today from Tory Holistics, Shelby Huffaker. Uh, we'll be talking about cannabis later on in the program. Yes, we have an interview, uh, a talk with Professor Gary Francione. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna catch up. We're gonna do more shows. We'll, we'll, I'm gonna, you know, we'll, we ha- we have them coming. And, and and by the way, I mean, I, I if perhaps we feel like maybe this show. I don't know how much class did we have today really concentrating so much on on pus um you know just the, this little this little infection fluid you know so I I promise that next week we will go back to our role of saving the world um the vegan solution to climate change um all the important uh, data there's going to be um, Really, next week's another really important show on uh, going vegan and the environment. I promise you that it's not going to be like this week's show, like like this, you know, this nothing burger that you've been hearing. When did that become an expression, nothing burger? I kind of like it. I think people would be healthier and happier if they just had the two slices of the bun, you know, the, the bun, the upper and lower part of the bun, dairy-free, egg-free bun. A nothing burger would be healthier than the burgers that most people eat. Although I have to tell you, I uh, stopped in, uh, what is it, grocery, what's it called, grocery outlet, discount store. Sometimes they have a sale on things. and I So for the first time, I picked up a Morningstar, what is it, Morningstar Quinoa Sweet Potato Burgers, and they are so delicious. They're really amazing. And... Uh, I have to tell you, a lot of a lot of my energy goes toward elder care. I take care of an eighty-four, uh, an eighty-five-year-old woman who really, I mean, she can't basically can't walk across the room. So, I mean, a lot of my energy goes toward taking care of her, and she is very resistant to being vegan. But uh, you know, I'm, these Morning Star uh, quinoa sweet potato burgers are really helping things along. She's loving them, so, you know, I cook for her, and she's loving the burgers. Um, 
so they're they're really good. Vegan burgers are fantastic, you know. So, um, but uh, when it comes to you know a slab of uh, ground uh, cadaver, you better with a nothing burger. You better with you know just uh, the bread and maybe the lettuce. So. Um, but okay, so uh, next show, and it, it, we're going to do that show and just have it out within a couple of days. We'll have uh, Dr. Roba, Antenna Roba, MD, President of the International Fund for Africa. He'll be on the show. We're, we're going to be a classier show, okay? I just want you to know that, um, you know, I'm not going to totally gross you out the next show. Uh, we'll really, it's going to really be an, an important environmental show as, as this program is, uh, well, of course we are the most important environmental program in the media because we do present, prevent, pre prevent, no, we present, uh, the uh, vegan solution for climate change, which is the only solution for, uh, most of, uh, our environmental challenges, um, we don't prevent the solution. The the ones preventing the solution are the environmental groups who never talk about going vegan as the only solution for climate change when animal agriculture is responsible for at least 51% of all greenhouse gas emissions, according to a World Bank study. And, and in our next program, we're going to get into more new information regarding climate change and uh you know we're targeting we're, we're over the wrong target you know we're over the wrong target even when when we're targeting the energy industry it's animal agriculture animal agriculture and um i gotta stretch my leg here a second animal agriculture and let me let me toot my own horn here for a second uh as somebody old enough to have been to uh, Woodstock, I'm old enough to uh, be vegan now for 35 years. So just when it comes to water alone, um, so this study from the Stockholm International Water Institute presented to the UN a few years ago uh, estimated that a vegan, such as myself, such as uh, I, I require 10,000 gallons of water to grow my food in a year, and a non-vegan meat eater, meat and dairy eater, requires how much? 320,000 gallons of water. I'm at 10,000 gallons. The non-vegan's at 320,000. That means that I save 310,000 gallons of water per year. So every 10 years now, uh, I've saved 3,100,000 gallons of water. Um, and so I'm up to 35 years. Now, if I do my Stuyvesant High School math, um, do the calculations here, lots of zeros, lots of zeros. Okay, so in 35 years as a vegan, I have personally saved 10,850,000 gallons of water Thank me very much. And, you know, when you come to um, San Diego Reggae Vegan Fest or L.A. Reggae Vegan Fest, and, of course, you're not required to be a vegan to attend. Perhaps you're just a music lover and want to experience the most amazingly awesome day of music in your life. But just remember, all the people around you, everyone who's a vegan, has saved 310,000 gallons of water over the past year. Please uh, thank them, thank them, uh, thank them for, uh, you know, contributing to saving our most precious 
of natural resources. Um, and, uh, and you can do it too. We can all do it. We don't need corporations and politicians to help us save the world. We can just go vegan. All right, so um, what can I say other than please buy your tickets now. All the information is at reggaeveganfest.com. Coming up on the program, coming up next, we will hear from Shelby Huffaker of Tory Holistics, one of our beloved sponsors. You can still join us as a sponsor, a vendor, or a volunteer at reggaeveganfest.com. GoVeganRadio.com on Facebook, Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden, and Twitter at GoVeganRadio. And of course, the main website, the website of the moment is ReggaeVeganFest.com. Coming up July 21st at Liberty Station, one of the most amazing days ever, San Diego Reggae Vegan Fest. And um, we are so happy that one of our sponsors is Tori Holistics. And uh, Tori Holistics is a uh, cannabis dispensary, but it's not just any cannabis dispensary. It is the very first licensed adult use or recreational dispensary in California. And joining us today is Shelby Huffaker, who is the sustainability coordinator for Tori Holistics. And how are you today, Shelby? Hi, Bob. I'm good. Good. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you for uh, joining us today. So tell us a bit about um, Tory Holistics. Now, I imagine that's a story in itself being the, not not number two, not number three, but the very first licensed for adult use cannabis dispensary in California. How, how did that happen? Right. On our license, it's zero zero. So uh, when we found out, we were just ecstatic. We well, well, you, we I'm called sorry, up and just, we were like, you, "Is you, is it really us?" Uh-huh. You broke you broke up a little bit, so uh, right at the start there. So start from the top, please. Like uh, okay, yeah. Go ahead. Yes, absolutely. So on our so our license number is zero 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 one. So when we found out, uh, you know, when we were given the news, we were just ecstatic. And um, the reason that I think that we were able to uh, get that first adult use license is because we are just so committed to um, professionalism. Um, Both of our owners come from that business background. Um, They're actually San Diego State alumni. Um, So we were fortunate enough to get all our paperwork uh, in on time. Um, and we're just so excited to have that uh, that number one spot. Was it a uh, medical cannabis dispensary prior to that? Yes. So we opened in 2015 as medical. And so then um, 
what was the process then? Did you you had to apply then to be adult use? I mean, was that the how, how did uh, how, what was that process? Right. So uh, yes, you do have to apply. Um, each city does have um, you know a, a number of spots that they allow for dispensaries to open. So I believe um, at the very start of adult use um, legalization, they gave out. 13 uh, permits. So we just happened to be the first one um, in the entire state. So all of these cities with their um, only allotted uh, number of permits, we just happened to be the first to get all of that paperwork in. You know, it has to do with the location, um, just complying with all the regulations, making sure that um, the facility is up to par. Mm-hmm. And I presume there are many regulations. Oh yes, <laughs> many many regulations, but not not necessarily a bad thing. Um, you know, it's all for the safety of the customer. Mm-hmm. So, um, for example, our uh, products there—the products that you sell—are they state approved, lab tested? Like what? Uh... How does how does that work? Yes, so I'm so glad you asked that, Bob. Because yes, all the uh, products that we do carry, and this is standard um, for any legal licensed cannabis store in California, all of our products um, have to meet very high standards. Um, they're tested for mold, pesticides, heavy metals. Um, I've even heard that if you have a farm that's you know a mile away down the road from another farm that uses pesticides. Uh, it'll pick up on that in the lab testing, and we will not be able to sell it in our store. So um, everything is very safe and labeled uh, correctly. You can look up, up the lab results if you would like um, and just be assured that what you are getting is the best of the best. Okay. You know, this is like a, a different age, really, where, you know, you have a place like Tory Holistics, and you can go in, and it's a it's a store. It's not like people meeting you know in the middle of the night behind the gas station somewhere to uh, <laughs> get some uh, cannabis product or whatever and these stores are just so full of you know such a different a wide variety of products like um, tell us you know what's available what's out there what what is I mean it's there are just so many products now what uh, People might be curious. People who may not have been into a cannabis dispensary, or um, you know, what what would one see if one came into uh, Tory Holistics? Like, what's the range of products? What's there? Yeah, so it's really amazing. Just um, all the, especially since recreational legalization, uh, we're seeing a lot of creativity in the industry. Uh, for example, well, we have that tradi the traditional flower, the bud, um, but we also have um, a cannabis-infused Sauvignon Blanc and um, a cannabis-infused hoppy beverage. Um, and, of course, we have topicals, which is a great option for people who are looking for um, relief from cannabis, but none of the psychoactive effects that can, um, you know, occur with it. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we also have teas. Uh, there's really delicious gummies now um, and vapes as well. So uh, a lot of smokeless delivery options as well. Mm -hmm. And, um, oh, and you deliver. Yes. 
We do. Okay. To all of San Diego. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, such a wide variety of products, and lately it seems there's a lot of interest in CBD, like one can go to the corner uh, drugstore, uh, literally drugstore like CVS or something, and um, you find uh, CBD there. What, uh, what, what, what do you have in, in, in the world of CBD there? So we do have uh, quite a number of CBD products. Um, we did start as a medical dispensary, so there is uh, a lot of interest there. Um, and we, uh, but we do urge uh, consumers to be are uh, purchasing a CBD product. Um, the kind that you are getting from a licensed cannabis dispensary is by law can cannabis derived that means that you can have a product very high in cbd uh, but there will always be trace amounts of other cannabinoids such as thc even if you don't feel them um now when you go to a go ahead, I'm sorry, the... liquor store or mm-hmm. okay. can you hear me yeah uh-huh. so when you go to a liquor store convenience store um and you buy there, that is going to be derived from hemp. Um, and hemp is not um, regulated. Uh, cannabis is. It's actually illegal to sell any CBD product um, derived from hemp, which is uh, very surprising. I was shocked to learn that. And it's just because the FDA uh, does not um, have any uh, regulations in place as of now. So consumer safety because it's not tested for pesticides or heavy so so uh, i'm sorry you broke up a little bit there but but did you say it it wasn't legal for you to be selling cbd derived from hemp i, mean, I, I just kind of broke broke up there though correct so so it uh everything this dispensary is going to be cannabis derived will be cannabis derived so i i really didn't know that there was a difference that what so you have cannabis derived and hemp derived i mean what's i didn't realize that there was a difference in in cbd derived products necessarily right so um it's actually it's a little bit complicated um both cannabis and hemp are subspecies of the cannabis sativa species but they are different plants so um Cannabis produces the kind that we know and the kind we use for medical and recreational applications. It produces 113 different cannabinoids, um, 400 different types of terpenes, and these all act together. It's Taraj effect. These all act together to produce um, a more nuanced uh, benefit, uh, medicinal impact, and ultimately an experience for the user. Whereas uh, with hemp, on the other hand, um, it only produces CBD and CBDA, its precursor, in extremely small quantities in its leaves. So you're not quite getting that entourage effect. Um, it's also uh, just um, a, now legal as of the farm bill this past year to grow hemp in the United States, but only for industrial purposes. So that means they are cutting off the leaves and using the hemp stalks for paper and textiles. It's actually a very sustainable uh, source, material source, um, and a great alternative. But what you're getting essentially when um, you make these hemp-derived CBD products is 
of these hemp plants. So it's not being upheld to the same um, consumer safety standards uh, put in place by the FDA. Hmm. So the so the cannabis derived CBD is more regulated than hemp derived CBD. Fully regulated. More regulations. Um, hmm. Interesting. And and why do people? Uh, well, it seems to be a CBD explosion right now. Why are people using uh, CBD products? CBD. Has- has really great potential. We are seeing uh, research coming out every day um, for benefits um, people struggling with arthritis and pain, anxiety and stress, um, and inflammation in general. It's really a really powerful um, analgesic and anti-inflammatory agent. So um, it's really it is a really um, great new uh, finding that we we're just discovering now. That we're just discovering from uh, ancient plants, right? Just <laughs> making discoveries. Uh, yeah. Because uh, apparently the the drug and pharmaceutical industries have had a, a stranglehold on everything. Uh, yes. <laughs> apparently up until now. Uh, we're talking to Shelby Huffaker. She is with Tory Holistics, one of the sponsors of San Diego Reggae Vegan Fest happening Sunday, July 21st at uh, Liberty Station, NTC Park. Uh, We're going to be holding a Mary J party there at about 2 o'clock, presented by Tory Holistics. Uh, What does that mean, uh, a a Mary J party? So our Mary J parties, they're um, educational presentations. We can have them in your home. Uh, You know, you uh, gather a group of friends uh, who want to learn a little bit more about cannabis, uh, such as dosage, uh, history, different product types, um, or we can have them at Tory Holistics as more of an, um, a, an educational workshop sort of thing, but it can really go a lot of different ways, um, and you get that really comprehensive, individualized cannabis education. So, as part of the Free College of Vegan Knowledge at San Diego Reggae <laughs> Vegan Fest, we have an area that will be open, free to the public, um, and also ticket holders will be able to go to that area. So um, if you're hearing this and you're interested and you don't want to buy a ticket, although I don't know why you wouldn't want to buy a ticket to like one of the greatest days of music ever with Third World headlining and The Movement and Yami Bolo and well, the full lineup is at reggaeveganfest.com. And... Um, we will have a speaker there from Dr. Raw Organics, one of the products uh, Megan will be uh, speaking that day. And so Tory Holistics uh, seems to emphasize uh, education then, it appears. Yes, we are uh, very passionate about educating people on cannabis, um, ultimately breaking down the stigma because it's legal now. You can enjoy cannabis at night just like you would a glass of wine if you had a little joint or a chocolate. Um, So it's a new age and um, there is consequently a need for education there. Um, Everybody has that story of the time they ate their uncle's friend's brownie and woke up three days later in a daze (laughs) and they want to swear off cannabis. But we think that if you go into that experience with proper knowledge, you, uh, 
uh, you will have a more pleasant experience and really reap the benefits of uh, cannabis in general. And you're the sustainability coordinator. So what does that mean? With what are you involved in? So, yes, I'm the sustainability coordinator. Uh, we, in this past year, have created a green team with our staff. So really trying to um, kickstart our effort to be more sustainable. Um, we feel that it's uh, it just goes hand in hand with cannabis as well. And Bob, if you have a little bit of time, I'd love to go into the history a little bit of um, environmentalism and cannabis. Please do. That would be great. Great. So um, starting back in the 1960s, uh, during the Vietnam War, uh, a lot of people were growing a little bit, um, you know, that anti-war sentiment was ramping up. There was some distrust of the government and uh, some people wanted to to sort of find a different way of living and existing. Um, so you find these uh, people from High Ashbury and Berkeley, uh, they form the Beatnik movement. And this movement is really about being in harmony with your surroundings, um, everything coming together, just synergizing in that way. And so what a lot of them wound up doing is moving up north to Humboldt, the Humboldt region, which had been largely destroyed by logging and they set up um, communes essentially uh, where they were able to restore the land they grew cannabis there as part of this larger system of just being in balance with nature animals food um, and just other people so that's where that all started and we really feel at Tory Holistics like uh, we need to carry on this tradition especially that, when that, it's even that, more important now was that beatnik or hippie Beatnik, but I think that a lot of times they are uh, synonymous. The, 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 beatnik, the beatnik kind of grew into the hippie movement, I think, in San Francisco. Um, I think uh, there was a guy named, uh, oh, he was a guest on the show a while back. I think he's passed away since, uh, I think it's Stephen Raskin. I think that, mm -hmm. that was his name and he was part of the what became the hippie movement and they um, used cannabis and they were anti-war activists and they eventually moved uh, back to Tennessee and formed something called uh, the farm uh, which was a, a, a vegan farm there and I think they eventually made some vegan ice cream or whatever but uh, you know um, it's horrible when you're when you're talking about history and I'm old enough to have lived it. You know what I mean? It's like you're talking, <laughs> you're talking history like it's long ago. But I, <laughs> I, I attended Woodstock and uh, I was somebody who I, I was active against the Vietnam War at the time. And mm -hmm. uh, so it was a very interesting time. And now now I see some people when they're making fun of uh, our uh, San Diego Reggae Vegan Fest, they're saying, Oh, look at that hippie event, you hippies, you hippies, you know, and it's like, <laughs> well, you know, what? what's so horrible about, you know, being for peace and, uh, you know, great music. And uh, I think they, they were known for uh, cannabis back then, but it certainly wasn't legal, although it was pretty open for a time. And then, um, for example, you know, I was at Queens College at the City University of New York and it was pretty open bong usage in the cafeteria. I mean, there was a time <laughs> when people were just openly smoking joints or whatever, and then it seemed to get 
closed off and you know then it became more strict and then it's like all right no nobody can let anybody know that you know he or she is using uh, marijuana but uh, but everybody seems to be using it so <laughs> you know the little uh -huh. the little hidden uh -huh. secret there so it is it's it's like mind-blowing to people who have grow, grown up in that era and it's like what you can go into a store I mean, it's just so um so different really you know who would have who would have thought right. that at that time you know looking ahead it's like uh you know but uh yeah who would who would have thought that would have happened so <laughs> and then um, yeah i guess there there's a history that goes back to jamaica too if we're talking about reggae um mm -hmm. and um cannabis being used for meditation purposes and again i think uh people resented saying oh you know drug addict re reggae you know performers bands whatever when um it enhanced their um meditation to where they went vegan well that's that's the best you know if you can meditate and that takes you to being vegan i'm i'm all for it and they they actually <laughs> went vegan before the word vegan existed the, back in the 1930s they called it uh ital um, which was the word vital with the V removed. Um, but we're putting the V back with vegan. Um, and, um, you know, a, a lot of what I do on my show is related to environmentalism um, and, uh, and being vegan. And it's quite amazing the connection of sustainability to, to going vegan in terms of the, the top climate specialists in the world now telling us that really the only solution for climate change is to go vegan. Um, that, uh, you know, there was a study from the Swedish International Water Institute at the UN a few years ago, and it said that a vegan requires 10,000 gallons of water to grow his or her food in a year, and a non-vegan requires 320,000 gallons of water. So um, that's like 32 people 32 vegans can be fed to one um non-vegan and uh when we look at uh, deforestation soil erosion and mass extinction the study out of oxford uh, university recently from joseph poor said the only way to stop uh mass extinction is if we if we go vegan if we go vegan we go back to pre-industrial carbon level level so um i'm ready for vegan 101 being taught at tori holistics i think that's what i'm looking for yeah <laughs> so, yeah which is uh... absolutely and all all of these things um environmentalism animal rights and cannabis they they all go together they all, all fit into that um that way of believing that paradigm that, that the hippies espoused right about you know caring about others and peace and community and uh, everyone should be fed good food and you know so with that being the case uh, let's have a party on uh, Sunday July 21st what do you think <laughs> absolutely so Shelby tell us uh, about how people can uh, be in touch with uh, in touch with Tori Holistics or where it is or the website or how to get involved with you yeah, so our website is uh, toriholistics.com. Uh, we're located in Cerno Valley, so right around Torrey Pines, um, Torrey Hills area. We also deliver to all of um, San Diego, so you can uh, order that on our website as well and see our services. 
Terrific. Okay. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. We really appreciate that. And uh, we look forward to seeing you at San Diego Reggae Vegan Fest. And Daisy Daisy was happy about our conversation too, right, Daisy? Yeah. So, okay. Well, thank you, Shelby. <laughs> thank you, Bob. Looking forward to, to the, the festival. <laughs> okay. See you there. Bye-bye. This is Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden at GoVeganRadio.com, on Twitter at GoVeganRadio. But uh, I want to point all your attention to ReggaeVeganFest.com. The big shows are coming up. Our thanks to Shelby Huffaker of uh, Tory Holistics for being with us today. Tory Holistics will be hosting a Mary J party at San Diego Reggae Vegan Fest. That's basically a discussion that will be taking place at our free college of vegan knowledge uh, at 2 p.m. So what we have going also is an area that is free and open to the public where we will have speakers. Most of those speakers will be on stage also uh, between uh, bands, but uh, most of them will be uh, at the Free College of Vegan Knowledge, which is open to the public for free and open to all the ticket holders at the event. And uh, speakers include Antenna Roba, MD, president of the International Fund for Africa, um, and uh, he's a good friend, uh, has been on the show many times. In fact, he will be on our next program, and we'll be talking about Africa and her animals, uh, his latest book. Let's see here. I have to... Why, did, why didn't you sil- silence your phone before listening to the show, I ask you? Okay, so um, Antenna Roba from Ethiopia, uh, Antenna Roba MD, will be at our event. I'm sure he'll be talking about the vegan prescription uh, for uh, health. That's that's our health care plan, by the way. You know, I mean, I don't think you're going to get the health care plan that you want from politicians. So if you go vegan, you know, I think that's the health care plan. So Antenna Roba will be one of the speakers at San Diego Reggae Vegan Fest. Also Arlo Taves, who is a director of uh, Food for Life Global and founder of Feedome. And you know how we're saying every ticket sold feeds 10 hungry children. So every ticket you buy for San Diego Reggae Vegan Fest or LA Reggae Vegan Fest feeds 10 hungry children through Food for Life uh, Global, which is our partner in doing this. And Arlo will be speaking at the event talking about the vegan solution for world hunger. We're here to solve everybody's problems with the vegan solution. Um, Also, um, speaking at our event in the Free College of Vegan Knowledge, 
and also on stage will be Gwenna Hunter, founder of LA Vegans. Her topic will be people of color and compassion for animals. We also have Mike Weinberg at the event. He'll be talking about his incredible vegan resource in San Diego, Vegan Diego. Um, also, uh, Megan Muckenfuss will be there from Dr. Raw Organics with her Cannabis 101 presentation. Ross Takura, award-winning dub poet from Jamaica, will be there. And uh, in between, between all my chores as event disorganizer, I really hope to go on stage and spend some time in the Free College of Vegan Knowledge talking about the vegan solution for climate change and environmental disaster. Um, because I cover it so much on this program, I look at so many studies like the one recently out of Oxford University telling us that uh, gosh, it, the, the only way to uh, end the current mass extinction is for us all to go vegan. I mean, it, it, it solves everything. I think of it as the only way to, say, to save Jamaica and, and island nations and, and islands like Manhattan uh, from uh, rising ocean waters. And the thing is, you know, I mean, a lot of people say, oh, they believe that climate change is happening, but they, since they don't participate in the vegan solution and they go on TV and they eat ice cream, they're part of the problem. And then the people who say, oh, I don't believe in climate change, um, well, you know, a lot of them are opposed to these taxes and carbon taxes and, you know, all, all of that. And the thing is, whether you believe in it or not, if we go vegan, then we don't have to worry if if there is climate change, if there isn't climate change, because it's the only solution anyway. Doc, Dr. Robert Goodland, uh, the only climate specialist ever hired by the World Bank, said that uh, going going vegan is the only solution and that it would take us to pre-industrial carbon levels if we all did it. So, you know, it's kind of the imperative uh, that we do it. So... Um, Come out to uh, San Diego Reggae Vegan Fest. Have a great time. See how delicious life can be when we're saving the planet, saving your health, saving the children, feeding the world. Um, and I know, you know, maybe, uh, I, you know, may, maybe that's what convinces you to go vegan, the environmental information. Maybe getting grossed out about pus, like we discussed in the beginning of the show, gets you to go vegan. I get that a lot from people. It's like, okay, I'm convinced. Now, what do I eat, Bob? I, I'm convinced. You convinced me. What do I eat? Well, it's all over the internet. Um, and uh, some people, people recently told me that they created an app. So there's an app that you can get. You can go to veganrecipebrowser.com, veganrecipebrowser.com. Uh, but there's no, you know, lack of information on the internet about going vegan and vegan recipes and how great vegan food is. I mean, there's this great vegan restaurant in San Jose that's been supporting this show for, for many years. That's an iconic restaurant, veg Vegetarian House, which is 100% vegan, organic, non-GMO, 520 East Santa Clara Street in San Jose. And you could just, you know, I mean, people think, what, we just eat cardboard? We, we eat uh, lettuce sandwiches with cardboard. Um, so uh, 
Would that be a nothing burger? I guess so. Anyway, you can go to vegetarianhouse.us, check out the menu. Actually, Vegetarian House right now is really concentrating on catering. The catering business has really exploded. And so, um, you know, if you have an event coming up, a business event, you're in the San Jose area, a social event, you your wedding is coming up. You really have to impress everybody with the food. The food has to be great. Um, I would say look to Vegetarian House for catering. Again, the website is vegetarianhouse.us. By the way, Go Vegan Radio is a 501c3 nonprofit, and you can donate to support our work. Uh, our work includes the first vegan radio program ever in mainstream media, back when mainstream media was still cool and possibly truthful, although we were led into the uh, war in Iraq uh, on lies. Um, and uh, anyway, <laughs> it's a whole other story. But anyway, so we started this program, the first vegan program ever in 2001, started on um, KRLA in Los Angeles, where we're going to have LA Reggae Vegan Fest September 15th. Then we went on to stations in San Francisco, eventually on the Air America radio network. Uh, the Liberal Na Radio Network carried us. Then GCN, the network that carries Alex Jones, carried us. They don't know. They don't know if vegan is, is uh, conservative, hip. What is it? What What is it? It's whatever you want us to be, right? So it's like trendy. Is it trendy? This is like the trend forever you know it's like <sighs> numbers are just increasing massively people going vegan they're seeing the vegan truth about animals like the only way really it's it's not not cage-free eggs that help animals um none of these animal welfare solutions actually you know cage-free eggs so every male chick is killed right after birth, suffocated or ground alive. Every female is mutilated, de-beaked, her face is chopped off. Then she's shoved into a shed with tens of thousands of other birds all fighting in a cloud of ammonia, stench there, and then they're all killed. So I don't understand how cage-free eggs are, you know, like a pro-animal issue. The, on the only way to help the animals is that we don't eat them, we don't wear them, we don't use them. Uh, just the way it'll be at San Diego Reggae Vegan Fest and LA Reggae Vegan Fest. Get your tickets now. Um, as I said, this is like, it's the summer, it's, it's the summer of, well, back then they had the summer of love. We have the summer of one love, all species. Back then they had um, <laughs> Woodstock. We had Woodstock. I was at Woodstock. Um, Reggae Vegan Fest uh, is like Woodstock, only better because it's vegan. Okay, we'll have our talk with Professor Gary Francione coming up next here on Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden at GoVeganRadio.com. Get your tickets at ReggaeVeganFest.com. Continue on Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden 
at GoVeganRadio.com, on Twitter at GoVeganRadio, and ReggaeVeganFest.com. Get your tickets for San Diego or L.A. Uh, pretty amazing uh, shows happening. Uh, the first and only 100% vegan reggae festivals. And so it's uh, Sunday, July 21st in San Diego, starring Third World and The Movement. And check out uh, all the artists there. And uh, if tickets aren't on sale yet for Los Angeles, it's like any moment now. L.A. Reggae Vegan Fest, Sunday, September 15th at MacArthur Park. Another incredible lineup. And... uh, Okay, uh, and, uh, and as on this program, we, we have an incredible lineup uh, quite often uh, uh, when I uh, shut up and Gary Francione comes on, you know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so here's Gary uh, joining us again, and it's been, it's been a while. Gary Francione of Rutgers University, the first academic to teach animal rights theory in an American law school, and you can check out how many books he has and the Abolitionist Approach website or Facebook page and website. And how, and how do I go vegan? That's an important website. HowDoIGoVegan.com. Yes, yes, a very important website, I might say. Um, So, Bob, let me tell you about what's been going on. Um, I wrote an essay um, uh, a couple days ago because I I saw this story about a woman who uh, had a dog, and then the woman died, and she she had in her will that she wanted her dog to be killed and cremated and buried with her, and. and so the, the, the animal, apparently when the woman died, the, the dog was taken to a shelter. And, um, and the shelter people uh, didn't want to kill the dog, and, uh, but the executor of the estate uh, claimed the dog as the executor had the right to do. And, um, and uh, I claimed the dog and took the dog to uh, a veterinarian and had the, vet, had the dog killed. And... Um, the woman was then uh, buried, apparently buried with the ashes of the dog. Now, now, I mean, that, that actually raises an interesting question because in some places um, you can't, this was in Virginia, and there are issues about burying animals with people, legal issues. Um, and so I don't know if she was buried in a private cemetery or where she was buried, but in any event, apparently she was buried with these ashes. And um, and there was a big outcry about this. You know, people were really upset. They were outraged, outraged by this. And so I, you know, I always find it interesting to see what people get upset about when it comes to animals because you know they they they're, they're so very selective. And so um, I wrote um, an essay about this, um, basically saying animals are property. What this woman did is not in any way unusual. I mean, if she didn't die um, and, you know, had she lived and decided she didn't want the dog anymore, she could have taken the dog to a veterinarian and said, look, you know, I don't want the dog anymore. I want you to kill the dog. And she could have gotten a veterinarian to do that. Some veterinarians won't do it if the dog is completely healthy. But, you know, you could. it's not that hard to find a veterinarian to that'll kill your animal. Or you could take the animal to a kill shelter and say, you know, find a home, great. You don't find a home, kill the dog. And that's the end of it. So I wrote an essay about this, and um, it got picked up, and uh, and and I um, I did a radio show yesterday on Sirius XM, and then I did CNN this morning with uh, Mike, bo- both of them with Michael Smirconish. He has a, a Sirius XM radio show, and then he has a um, a news uh, program on Saturday morning on CNN, 
And it was interesting That's because unusual I... unusual that there'd be a news program on CNN, but okay, I'm... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I know how you... Um, I know how you feel about that, Bob. And so... Um, I'm just seeking truth. I just want no, to I, truth, I, I, you know, I understand. So. I, I do, I do understand. Yeah. Um, but... Um, but anyway, so uh, 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 it, it's sort of interesting to me because pe- people don't realize, I mean, people get outraged by this and <clears throat> they don't realize that this is happening every day. I mean, it's just, this is a weird situation because the woman was dead and, you know, and, and so the animal was then, you know, killed and cremated and put in her coffin. And it's got this sort of like, it's, it's, a, it's a more unusual situation and it's somewhat macabre and, you know, and whatnot. And, and, um, and it, it got a lot of attention. Media animals are even property of the dead. Even right, when exactly. you die, you the, still the, own animals. It's right, like, exactly. The property, the property rights of the animal are, um, are so strong. Uh, the property rights of humans, rather, are so strong that um, you can dictate the life and death of animals even after you're dead. But in any event, so um, so 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 you know. Uh, but but I, I I I the point I, I made two points in my essay. One is animals are property, and this sort of stuff goes on all the time. This is what happened. This is an incident of animals being property. We tend to think that well, you know. But 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 animals are members of the family, and the answer is for some people they are. I mean, one of the incidents of owning property is you get to decide how you're going to value the property. And some people value their animal property in a, in a high way, and they they have animals being members of their family. And other people value their animal property in low ways, and they have their dogs outside as guard dogs, or they keep cats as, you know, to keep, get rid of mice, and they don't show any of these animals affection or whatever. Um, and the other point I wanted to make is, what the hell's the difference? I mean, you know, we get all upset about what this woman did with the dog, and a lot of the people who are who are getting upset about this are, you know, sitting there talking about it while they're chomping on their chicken or drinking their milk or eating their eggs or whatever. And, um, so I I, uh, I expressed that view on uh, on CNN. It was interesting because I got a hell. I mean, uh, uh, the the people at CNN told me they they got a reaction, and by the time I got home from the studio, my inbox um, was full, and um, people were and writing what, me. What, uh, also, what were people saying like, what, how were they reacting? What well, they I I think I think you know um, I think I got a lot of people thinking um, because a number of people were and said, you know, I I was outraged at first when you said um, that, you know, you weren't that 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 you thought that um, we ought to be shocked about the fact that chickens are being killed. And when you said that you didn't think that there was a moral distinction between animals we love and animals we eat. And I had at least 50 people, at least 50. And that's not bad in a day. Um, 50 people say, well, you know, that's sort of interesting. I never thought of it that way. What is the difference between the animals we love and the animals we eat? And um, you know, so it's it's what, what's what's very interesting to me um, is people are really interested in this issue, and they're in, I mean, there are a lot of people who are hostile about. It. I got some I got some rather nasty emails as well, but you know, they're also for the most part they're you know they're written by people who seem to me to be angry as a general matter so the fact that they're angry with me is probably um not not all that unusual um in terms of uh you know they're angry people but um but i think you know most people most people care about animals um you know there are some people who don't care obviously there are lots of people who don't care but i think there are many many more who do care and um 
And so I, I, I and I think this is, you know, I, I, this is one of the things I really enjoy doing is talking with people and sort of getting them to think about that, about how do they think about animals and do they think animals matter morally? And when they say is, most of them do. Yeah, of course, I think animals matter morally, but I don't think they matter as much as human beings. And I say, okay, fine. I, whether that's a defensible position or not, I don't happen to agree with that. But you know what? That's your view. However, even if you think they are not, that they don't matter as much as humans, and in situations of conflict, you should always choose the human over the animal, even if that's what you believe that you should always choose the human over the animal because the human matters more morally, even if you believe that. You should never be inflicting suffering and distress if there is no necessity, if there is no need to make a choice. Because if you are choosing to kill or inflict suffering on animals where there is no compulsion or necessity or conflict or dilemma, then what you are doing is treating animals as things without moral value. And, you know, 99.95% of the population out there, they've never really sort of been confronted with that argument or that reasoning or that sort of that, that way of thinking. And what's interesting and I find fascinating is when you do raise this with them, to see the sorts of reactions you get, because you do get really interested and interesting reactions. And, you know, the reason I keep doing this, um, you know, I mean, look, I, I, I mean, you know, I, I my job is I'm a law professor. I don't you know, have to do any of this as part of my job. I do it and I do it every day of my life because I get results <laughs> because I, you know, because I, 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 I do think that this message resonates with a lot of people and um, and I do um I do talk with a lot of people who end up saying to me, you know, you've got me thinking. And then the thing that I really like is when I get reactions like, you know, I don't know exactly what I'm going to do, but you've got me thinking I need to go vegan. And, you know, that's that's where I want to get people. So I keep doing it. But it, it was interesting. It was interesting. I mean, you know, you, you can take any the, and the, the thing is you can take any one of these stories. You know, I mean, I just happened to take the story of Emma, the Shih Tzu, who was killed by this woman, by this this uh, the executor of this woman's estate. But, um, but you know, you could take almost any. I mean, I do this all the time. I mean, you know, it's like all you need to do is like pick up a newspaper um, or read one online because they don't. Who, who picks up a newspaper anymore, right? <laughs> but so you you go and you go to your computer and you read a newspaper and you'll almost always find an animal story. And this is actually one. Of the Things I do a lot of. I've been doing it ever since. Well, I've been doing it for a long time, but I really started ramping it up with Michael Vick and saying, you know, everybody's upset with Michael Vick. Why? And, you know, we're all like Michael Vick. We're all inflicting suffering and death for reasons of amusement. He happens to like dog fighting. You like to taste the steak. What the hell's the difference? There ain't no difference. And sort of getting people to sort of react to that because um, it's really interesting. It's Interesting to see how people react. However, so that's what's happening, and and that's what I've been spending the past day doing, and what I've been doing before that, because we haven't t talked in a long time. And what what I have been doing um, is I have been um, I've been very concerned about the 
messed up environmental movement that we have. And um, there's been a lot of excitement about this Extinction Rebellion in uh, in Britain and other places and all the student strikes and Greta Thunberg and all this stuff. And I've been critical of it because um, it is very clearly distancing itself from veganism. And the one thing that is clear to me is that um, a massive transition to a vegan diet is not necessarily sufficient to keep us from averting climate disaster, but it's certainly necessary. That is, we ain't never going to solve this problem by doing emissions trading or, you know, by, I mean, we're not, this is not a problem you're going to solve by recycling your plastic bags. I mean, these are, those are good things to do. I'm not saying they're bad things to do. I'm saying, you know, as long as you're eating, eating meat, Um, And as long as you're drinking milk and eating eggs, the fact that you're recycling your plastic bags and you're driving an electric car and you've, you know, and you have one less flight a year is, um, frankly, bullshit. And and I apologize to bulls, um, but it's bullshit. And um, and so when I saw this Extinction Rebellion uh, phenomenon starting um, I had some correspondence with some people who were associated with with it, and they made very clear that they uh, they, were, they weren't interested in veganism, and um, and uh, you know, and I, I I'm not surprised. Extinction Rebellion is like the animal groups; it's a business. It's something you know they they got their donate buttons and their their uh, it's a business, and uh, they don't want to talk about veganism. But the reality is, we are up the creek when it comes to climate change. We are in very serious trouble. And we need to do more than have a massive transition to a vegan diet. But we certainly do need to have, as a, as a, necessary, as, as a necessary matter, we need a transition, a massive tra- well, see, and transition I, to a vegan I, diet. I disagree. I say that exactly what we need is the massive transition to a, a vegan diet. And we really don't need to do more. We're told that by uh, Robert Goodland and Jeff Anhang. Robert Goodland saying, you know, the the massive transition to a vegan diet takes us to pre-industrial carbon levels. Your good friend and mine, Joseph Poor, with his study from Oxford University, says um, the transition to the vegan diet frees up land the size of Africa. It's it's transformational. It addresses everything, all the the uh, the emissions, the uh, acidification, pollution, uh, deforestation. It really like I would prefer people not even think about anything else because. Going vegan seems to be the solution to stop the mass. Well, well it, it's, cer- it's certainly the most significant thing we can do, and it certainly does make a huge dent. They say What's it's the only solution. Goodland and well, Hank said the only solution. Okay, I, I, look, I, 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 as I say, it's necessary. Whether it's sufficient, um, you know, I, I when I, um, I had an interesting discussion about this with Joseph Poor and. and um, and Marco Spanman in London in January, and um, you know, and we talked about the issue of necessity about it being necessary but not sufficient. And um, 
and and uh, you know, so we 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 may need to do more, a little more, but we certainly need to do the vegan thing. And it just makes me very upset that you know, I mean, I, I see this business, you know, these student strikes. You know, I I um, when when the Extinction Rebellion started and all the Greta Thunberg experience, you know, the, the, the that phenomenon started. And I started tweeting things like, you know, if you're if you're um, you know engaging in a student strike and you're not promoting veganism, you're just skipping school, and um, and you know this, I, and I got the reaction I I was looking to get, which is people getting very upset with me and saying, oh no, this is great, this is a wonderful start. And the answer is no, it's not a wonderful start, and I think it's dreadful that Greta Thunberg. I mean, first of all, this idea that you know we're gonna. We're going to, um, you know, th- this this manipulation of children, frankly, whether it's, you know, uh, uh, using Genesis Butler to try to, you know, get the Pope to go vegan by offering him a million dollars or or using Greta Thunberg to, uh, you know, uh, do this, uh, you know, this, this strike, you know, lead the strike business. Uh, I think there are some serious moral questions there about using children in those situations. But the bottom line is these kids are being manipulated. And Greta Thunberg, as far as I know, is a vegan. And um, But yet she's not really talking about veganism. And my guess is if left to her own devices, she would be because I think she's a fairly serious one. At least that's what I've been told. But she's not doing it when she speaks at these Extinction Rebellion uh, events. And my guess is is because she's been told not to speak about it at these Extinction Rebellion events. Because I've had conversations with Extinction Rebellion people, and they're all singing from the same hymn book. And they're all basically saying, well, we can't tell people what to do. And the answer is, well, you're telling them not to use fossil fuels. So obviously, you know, you got a normative dimension of there somewhere. Um, so, you know, the idea that, well, you can, you can tell them not to use fossil fuels, but God forbid you don't want to tell them not to eat their meat or dairy exactly, right? exactly. you know mm-hmm. and so i mean it really that was is, that was nonsense. bill mckibben's so, bill mckibben's excuses who are we to tell third world uh countries that the people there can't enjoy meat you know what I yeah mean? It, you know, i i know I, I love these people i love these people there's because there's a lot of people the animal there's a lot of the quote intersectionalists end quote in the animal movement who say the same thing they say well you know you can't tell you know, you can't tell poor people what to eat. You can't tell people in Africa what to eat. And the answer is, no, no, no. Let's just take a step back here. What you're doing is promoting, you know, you, I teach in Newark, New Jersey, okay? Um, you know, and, and so what we do is we promote for poor people to eat crap that's killing them. Right. Yeah. And and here's and, you know, cheese. Here's cheese. Have cheese. Yeah, exactly. And so it's like it's like you know, in Newark, you can get like you know, you uh, things have gotten better. I have to say, things have gotten better. We now have more. There's more access to healthy plant foods in 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 Newark, um, but it is still a place where it's easier to get drugs, alcohol, and fast food. You know, I mean, it's all over the place. Mm-hmm. And so so this idea that, well, God forbid, you know, you should sort of, you know, you shouldn't tell people, you know, that they, they ought to stop eating this stuff because that's offensive morally. The answer is no, no, no. That's wrong on so many levels. You, know, you, don't, even, you don't even know where to begin. Well, I mean, people should know that they can take responsibility toward, you know, making the changes that are necessary that won't come from politicians or corporations. And you no, know. and you know, and 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 exactly, and and this idea, you know, I love the Extinction Rebellion people say, well, what they want is they want to have citizen assent. They're not going to talk. They're not going to say that people should, 
should go vegan. They think we need citizen assemblies who are going to democratically decide what to do. And the answer is that, again, excuse me to say I'm using the word twice, but, but we're not on the air, so it's not one of the seven words I can't – seven things I can't say. It's bullshit to say that – that we're not going to, you know, we're, we're going to wait until people can democratically decide what to do. The answer is the science is clear. The science is crystal clear. If we don't have a massive transition to a vegan diet, we are in very big trouble. And, the, and, and, and you know, one of the arguments is, well, if you read the, the science, you know, Spanman uh, says, well, you can, you know, if, if we need to all reduce by 70 to 90 percent which is not meatless Monday and it's not vegan before six. It's like drama- a, a really dramatic reduction. But the reality is not everybody's going to do that 75 to 90% reduction. So even if you're not doing it for morality and you're only doing it for climate change, if you understand the science, then you ought to be 100% not consuming animals because you're making up for uh, a portion of somebody else who's only doing 75 to 90 percent because they're sticking, you know, or, or, or doing 50 percent or 40 percent or something like that. You know, a, a, that's why I'm 160 percent vegan. Exactly. exactly. Uh, I mean, look, the bottom line is, is both you and I would be doing it even if there was no such thing as climate change. I mean, right. so that's right. You know, that, but, 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 but again, for every reason, because animal agriculture is the number one cause of deforestation. Like so every environmentalist right. has to be for the forest. Right. You know, and it's like. Yeah, I, I know. I mean, it's it's like these people are worried about you know, extinction rebellion. We are going to rebel against you know the massive extinction that's going on as a result of you know climate change. And the thing is, yeah, the and the biggest problem is animal agriculture. And, and then then they're going to eat a hot dog for lunch there at their conference. And, yeah. Uh, I'm mentioning bullshit. I didn't mean to mention the ingredients of their lunch, but yeah. So, right. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Yeah. But, you know, also um, from the estimates I've seen, if I remember correctly, because I've been so involved with reggae music and not this show, um, an alternative energy infrastructure would take about 20 years and $30 trillion. So it's it, it's nothing to what like going vegan like right now could do. And... I mean, everybody I'm seeing from Goodland and Anhang to um, Joseph Poor are are telling us that this is what we need to address, you know, climate change. But like I mentioned, deforestation, acidification, eutrophication, uh, pollution. Exactly. I mean, it's exactly. it solves all the environmental problems. Exactly, and, exactly. You know, and I I, I, I misspoke. Uh, Marco's name is Springman. Uh, I there's somebody else I know in my life whose last name is Spanman, but his name is the the guy who does the the climate change work at Oxford is Springman, mm-hmm. and. Um, and you know his stuff. I mean, the, the, these these young people are doing tremendous work. I mean, he and he and Poor are doing absolutely tremendous work. And yeah, we have to and, bring um, him over and, here for uh, some talks. And yeah, stuff. well, I mean, I mean, but you know, but, but the, the 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 thing is that that. Um, no, but then he yeah. then he'd be on an airplane and it would be defeating. <laughs> well, you, you know, look, I'm I I'm all in favor of doing other stuff. I mean, I I now am really sort of trained. I'm I I I will do some things live but i'm doing i'm telling a lot of people now because uh, i get asked to do a lot of public speaking and i always say this you know i, I in in 80 percent of it i'm saying look you know um that's a that's an airplane trip it's a big airplane trip um and frankly you know the idea that you're flying me you know uh, uh from point a to point b so i could talk about animal rights and why we should be vegans um you know uh save your money 
and let's have a, 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 a Skype connection and let me talk about um, let me talk about it on, on Skype. And I, I I've been doing quite a few of those things, and I feel I, I think that's a good thing. I think you know we ought to be you know, but I, human contact is a pretty good thing. I, look, I, I I I'm with you. I'm with you, and I'm not saying I'm not saying that you know we should never do it. I'm just saying that we all have to be we all should be trying to minimize uh the our impact on the environment and and that means a lot of things it means you know we should be flying less it also means we should be consuming less you know we all consume way too much and um you know and so i'm trying in that regard as well you know i ask myself do i really need that you know do i really do i really want to buy it buy something you know do i really need that thing that i want See, and, 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 vegans, and vegans are the only ones who could really be wasteful and get away with it. And and then we don't do it when we can. Right? I know, I, mean, I, know I, I know. I could leave the shower on all day. You know, exactly, ba- exactly. Based on, um, oh, it was a Stockholm Water Institute study some years ago that, that said a vegan requires 10,000 gallons of water to grow his or her food in a year. Yeah. And a non-vegan requires... 320,000 gallons of water. So, you know, you, I saved 310,000 gallons of water last year, and so did you. We saved 620,000 gallons of water between us, just you and I right it's, here. Just, just two guys, yeah, you know. And, no, no, I, I understand. It, it, we, we could be, we, you know, we, we could be more wasteful, but the reality <laughs> is, I mean, the reality is. We don't want to be. That, that we don't want to be, and, and we both realize that, because people are not becoming vegan fast enough, we need to be doing things. We need to we need to be doing everything we can. And so, you know, I've actually, you know, cut down tremendously the amount of traveling I'm doing. Um, my consumption levels have gone down tremendously. Um, and, and you know, I'm trying to, you know, I, I, I'm you know, I'm trying to conserve water. Um, and I'm trying to, you know, to use less electricity and and um, uh, and and whatnot. So, you know, I'm, I, I'm taking I'm, deeper breaths to save air. I'm, I'm exa- to... Exactly, exactly. And um, and so, you know, uh, but but I'm so annoyed with this Extinction Rebellion phenomenon because it's such non, it's such self indulgent nonsense. You know, let's everybody pretend we're radicals. You know, I mean, these, these people like uh, it's sort of comical because you and I are are unfortunately old enough to have remembered the original. But you know, the, they think they're '60s, you know, radicals and and you know, and '70s radicals and. And that's what not. Do you, what do you mean? Remember, I think I was one. Uh, well, that's what I'm saying. I'm I saying, recall, I'm I saying, marched against we, we the have, Vietnam we War. Have, so we have memories. Uh, we, have. we have memories of experiences. Um, and and um, and so you know, these folks think that they're being radicals. And, but it's you, you know, know and, again, and so have, so much of everything gets corrupted, and then it becomes like a fake movement. It's a fake environmental yeah. movement. If and and really, the I think the first I've seen about the well. I, I guess if uh, if I talk about Robert Goodled, the Jeff Anhang talking about if we go vegan, we can go to pre-industrial carbon levels. And then I think it was in Joseph Poor's study where I first saw the mention of uh, ending the current mass extinction because of, you know, just how much land just gets eaten up by... It, it's so incredible to, to think that we could free the land the size of Africa for reforestation and recovery of, of species... 
um, but we don't address that. We have conferences and they serve hot dogs and uh, blame you know everybody the pipelines that haven't been built yet. So yeah, exactly, exactly. And then and then they talk about net zero, you know, uh, the, the whole the whole idea of net zero uh, emissions is basically well, you know, it doesn't mean you're not going to have that you're going to cut down on emissions. It means you're going to have net zero. Net zero doesn't mean that you're not emitting. Um, it, 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 it 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 the whole. It's 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 so annoying. It's just so. I know. I know. It's, and yeah, it's, uh, it, it really is. It really is. And, all and the diversions away from what really needs to be done. I don't know. It's exactly. A, exactly. Exactly. And and you know and the 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 um, the uh, I I I heard a talk that was being given by uh, one of the uh, the two main people in Extinction Rebellion, and he was trashing veganism. I mean, he was trashing it, and he was saying that. You know, well, well, vegans don't really want to get anything done, and we want to get something done politically, and blah blah blah. And he was trashing it, and then the other person, the other, the other main, the other founder of Extinction Rebellion, basically said, "Well, you know, I used to be a vegan, but I'm not. You know, I, I really not. I'm not committed enough to be a vegan, and or whatever. I don't remember exactly what she said, but she had. She said she had been. She had tried being vegan. She couldn't be a vegan. And I thought, you know what? These people are so full of it." You know, that this is just entertainment. This is just more narcissistic selfie entertainment. You know, so so go, you know, and what's really irresponsible is they're busy telling people, oh, go and get arrested, you know, and don't worry about it. It's all, you know, you'll just go and they'll let you out. You get a criminal record. (laughs) And so. So they're count they're they're advising people to go to jail so that they can help so that so that these people can help brand Extinction Rebellion and they're having their idiotic you know uh, uh, events where they sit around you know beating drums and playing music you know playing indigenous musical instruments or something and pretending that you know that it's that it's 1968 and um and you know and and gluing themselves to public transport um i mean it, it's i thought we were supposed to be taking public transport but you know whatever and um it, it's just it's silly it's it's so ridiculous it's just so ridiculous and um and i i really think it's um i think it's uh it's going in the i think i think it's a it's that really d- d- stressed me a lot because I saw a lot of people that I liked um, getting involved with this and thinking that it was really the way to go and that really disappointed me because it indicated to me that um, people aren't thinking in in a critical way about this and that um, you know it's uh, that that so that social movements are are increasingly becoming because this has happened to the animal issue as well it's become a matter of entertainment so you know you we're not going to do anything that's really going to change anything so what we'll do is we'll indulge ourselves and we'll stop a truck on the way to the slaughterhouse and cry and take selfies of ourselves weeping and sticking our hands in the truck while we witness and you know that sort of thing or we'll wear we'll wear guy fox masks and stand in a, in a square and and show people slaughterhouse videos and you know what's really upsetting to me is that I've been doing this work for 40 years now and I can tell you one thing you show people slaughterhouse videos so many times the reaction to that is not that they go vegan they might go vegan temporarily but what 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 I have found, I used to I I used to show those videos when I taught classes on animal issues I used to show gory videos and I stopped doing it because I saw year after year 
the students would react. They'd be repulsed in the same way because they're gory, so they'd be repulsed. But after they had a chance to sort of you know have a little time away from the film and think about it, the reaction on the part of like 80% of them, 90%, was to say, well, you know, that's really horrible, but couldn't we do it better? And the answer is, no, you can't do it better, even if it was perfect, even if the animal was completely happy until the moment of death and fell over, um, you know, and, and wasn't conscious of, of, of being killed at all, it would still be wrong. And if you think that the problem is how we're doing it, the primary problem is how we're doing it, you're never going to get to where you need to get if you're going to take veganism seriously. And so... Um, so I I uh, I stopped do, I stopped showing the video the the gory stuff, and um, because the reaction was it was clear to me that people were not getting the issue that this is a matter of justice. It's not really a matter of how we're doing it. It's a matter of that we're doing it, and and so you know, well, you but, watch, but the the video accompanied with that message could be. Powerful well, then too, I, well, right? That you, you have know, to be vegan and there is no right way. And well, you know. yeah, but you know, um, uh, you gotta be. I, I mean, first of all, um, first of all, it's not clear to me. You know, I, I take that back. It is clear to me that clear messages and clear, you know, uh, 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 uncluttered discourse and clear, you know, I mean, you you can't be doing one of those things. When you're busy handing out literature for mercy for animals, which, you know, is 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 one of the things I've observed is you have people, you know, they're standing there with their Guy Fox masks on and they're showing people gory videos and the footage they got, they got from mercy for animals and they're handing out mercy for animals literature. Well, I'm sorry. Mercy for animals, as far as I'm concerned, is not a vegan organization. Hey, but a nice new logo. Did you see the nice new no, logo? No, I haven't. Oh, really? What's the new logo? Uh, oh, well, what's the new love? Let me let, let me Google it while you're at. Oh, 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 yeah. So you know, new president, new logo. Uh, you haven't seen the logo, I guess. Maybe uh, am I going to wait for your reaction here? Sure. Let's. Uh, let me see here. I'm sure they paid big bucks for the. What do you mean the little blue dot with the? Yeah, yeah, the... yeah. That's their that's their new logo. Um, so well, I like I like it. Mercy for animals, and then. And then in the right-hand corner is Gold Star. It's a Gold Star charity or something. Um, and and um, uh, yeah. now this is a perfect example. Here's Mercy for Animals. Animals are suffering right now. Become an investigator ally by May 31st, and the Justice for Animals Fund will donate $100 in your honor. Oh, my God, it's so activist. I just can't contain myself. Now think about this for a second. So what we're doing is we're – Getting people to give money so that people can get jobs in these places, so they can come out. What what do they do when they when they have their their little slick campaigns? They come out and they say animals are being abused in these facilities, and we need to stop this. So you need to sign a petition to Walmart or whoever the hell you're going to send the petition to, and tell them that they can't buy from these suppliers anymore, whatever it is. As far as I'm concerned. We don't need any more investigations into farms or slaughterhouses. You know why? Oh, wait, wait, wait. And then, of course, Walmart says we're not going to do it anymore, right? That's right. The and, next, then, and then, the next right, and mercy for, mercy for Animals, you know, BFFs them and tells them, you know, tells us all how great they are. And, and, but, 
But we don't need any more investigations into farms and into slaughterhouses. You know why? Because we know what the hell goes on there. They all end up dead. I don't really care how they get there. I care that they get there. And what we do by, by putting money into these investigations, that's not activism. That's nonsense. That, that is speciesist nonsense because all we're doing is reinforcing the idea that there is a way that, that the problem is how it's being done. And that's the problem when you have when the when the movement is basically a movement that focuses on the way it's done and focuses on treatment. When you're standing there with your Guy Fawkes mask on and you're showing people gory videos from 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 Mercy for Animals and you're giving people Mercy for Animals literature, I don't care how clear what you say is, it's not going to be understood. It's not going to be understood clearly. It's just not going to be understood clearly. So, you know, the the animal movement is very much like the environmental movement. I mean, it's really a diversion it, away from what needs to uh, exactly. Happen. Exactly. It's like it's like you know, people say to me, "Well, you know," pe- people ask me, "What do you think about the 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 ag gag rules?" You know, and I say, "Look, I don't like them because I believe in free speech, and I think that anything that targets any particular sort of speech is bad as a general matter." However, having said that, the reason why animal people are opposed to ag gag rules is because it is stopping them, it is hindering them from engaging in these campaigns, which make them zillions of dollars. So they want to get the job in the place and they want to have some. And what's really sick, as far as I'm concerned, is they are getting people into these places who are then participating in harming animals. You know, I mean, there have been. A number of these people have spoken at the Alex Hershaft Silly Fest or whatever the the uh, the the farm the uh, animal rights conference that they have. A number of these people who have worked in slaughterhouses, who have actually participated in slaughtering animals, and they're there telling them, tell, you know, being portrayed as big heroes for animals because they're getting these undercover jobs and doing these really horrible things so that they can help the animals. The thing is, you know what happens in the slaughterhouse. They get dead. It doesn't really matter how they get dead. It matters that they get dead. And what we do by supporting these these silly campaigns is we reinforce the idea. It re, we reinforce the idea that the way that the problem is how it's being done. That's why I don't show the gory movies anymore. Well, I, I simply won't do it. I mean, I. I haven't done that in my classes probably in ten years, twelve years, maybe maybe fifteen. Yeah. I haven't. Did, I have you, did you notice that the um, president of Mercy for Animals has joined uh, Ben and Jerry's Dairy Council? You know, I don't even know who the hell the president for Mercy of Mercy for Animals is. Um, I, for, I, I, I forgot I, her name. Uh, I think I mentioned it on last week's show. I'm sure I could look it up. But, I, I think it's a silly organization. Um, you know, I think I think all these groups are are absurd they're they're counterproductive She's on ben and jerry's dairy council you know yeah, that so does, you know what that doesn't i'm not surprised wayne Passell was 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 well, busy he was part of, he was part of the global animal partnership helping to develop you know happy slaughter standards and happy you know happy exploitation standards so, so um, anyway but and again looking at the new mercy for animals logo they probably paid somebody tens of thousand dollars an advertising agency and 
it looks like Target. You know what I mean? It looks. Like, I know. <laughs> it, it looks like. Well, the animals are the target of oh, what I now call uh, Mercedes. Mercedes for animals sellouts. Mercedes. Yeah. Mercedes for animals sellouts. Um. Um. And uh, to me, it looks like the the artist said, "Okay, parentheses, dot, close parentheses, give me money. Here's your logo." It's like. What's the? I don't get it. You know, it's just so ridiculous. It um, is. It's true. It's truly ridiculous. But but you know, so I I think these. You know, I think extinction rebellion is like is to the environment what mercy for animals is to animals. That's all. You know, right. and, and then we could, then we could say, and 350.org is to the environment as HSUS is to animals, and, and the Sierra right. Club is as. No, uh, no. I, look, I agree. I mean, I mean, these organizations are all nonsense. All I mean, terrible. I wrote, I, I wrote, I wrote an essay, uh, an open letter to the Green Party in Britain. Because they're not vegans either, and when you go to their pay, when you when you look at their platform, they basically say, "Well, you know, we have issues with factory farming." And the thing is, yeah, good, fine, you have issues with factory farming. The bottom line is, is that um, you need to be vegan. The idea that the head, that the that that the one MP that they have in Britain, Caroline Caroline Lucas, I think her name is, the idea that she's not a vegan is, in my judgment. Just shocking, yeah. <laughs> just shocking, mm -hmm. and that they don't promote veganism, you know, as a as a, 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 a fundamental tenet of their of their party is to me shocking. So I think it's all gone wrong. I mean, I think it's all gone wrong, and I think that you know we need to you know I I do I I um I I constantly am posting. Uh, the work that Joseph Poor has done, um, the work that Marco Springman's done, um, you know, I, I get their work out there, um, and uh, and I'm I'm you know trying to get people to understand. You want to say, you know, look, you know, I mean, um, I'm an older person. You're an older person. Uh, we're vegan, so we'll live forever. However, um, I would think if you were like 30 years old, you'd be really concerned about this because by the time you're 50, you're going to be like walking around with scuba diving. Um, equipment all the time because you're going to be living underwater. Water, and, water everywhere, and not a drop to drink. Also, exactly. That that's, a, that, that's that's yet another problem. And um, uh, and, and uh, it was it's terrific. Um, uh, one of my friends, actually uh, somebody who uh, was a research assistant of mine when I was very young, when I was a very young faculty member, um, has got a, a son who's a vegan. She's a vegan and her son's a vegan and her son is doing his PhD and and is studying and trying to develop new ways of desalination and, and you know increasing our drinking water. But just a, a really brilliant vegan kid and he wants to save the world and I just I just think that's terrific. But, um, well, and but, that, the, the way to save the world is by us all going vegan and yes, exactly, helping exactly. everybody else to go vegan. It's, it's interesting because I put it out there that uh, you know LA Reggae Vegan Fest and San Diego Reggae Vegan Fest were premier environmental um, festivals and somebody asked me well you know why is that like what campaigns are you covering you know like they couldn't believe it it's not that we're no we're not pushing like recycling we're not pushing more miles per gallon we are the premier environmental festivals because we're vegan we're living the life you know that, that you know like we create a vegan world we are creating a vegan world that day 
the way we need to live to save the environment. And it's going to taste pretty good, and the music's going to be pretty good, too. So, um, happy activism. I, it took me all these years to decide I have to do happy vegan advocacy. And uh, this this is what it is, and maybe we can save Jamaica from the floodwaters, too, because, you know... The, Musical instruments aren't uh, aren't waterproof. You know what's interesting? I have this. Uh, my life is a sitcom, um, and there's a uh, <laughs> there's a picture going around. It's uh, the Jamaica Music Conference, like all the industry leaders in Jamaican music. And there I see there there we have uh, Daisy and me in that picture. It's like you know the it's like. Um, like George and Seinfeld, or, or I don't know if you ever saw the movie Being There with Peter Sellers. Oh, of course I did. Yeah. Where, <laughs> where it's like he just f suddenly finds himself in these situations. Like I'm going along as a vegan activist, and suddenly I'm like a, a leader in the Jamaica music industry. You know, it's like it's very, uh, very interesting from moment to moment. Where, uh, well, there's no business like vegan show business or reg or reggae or reggae vegan show business. Exactly. Exactly. But anyway, well, listen, I've got it's 7 p.m. here on the East Coast and I've got to uh, I've got something I've got to do tonight. And so I'm going to take leave of you now. But I hope we can do this. I mean, we haven't talked in several months and and uh, and I hope that I, know, we can... I keep posting, um, you know, eventually I get around to a show and I go, here's here's a talk I did with Gary a few months ago. I hope it's <laughs> still, you know, I hope it's still time appropriate, you know, and it's like, oh, George Bush was his president and that, you know so um no so uh yeah we'll uh we'll do this more often like uh, yes yes indeed and, and and you ought to have uh joseph and marco have you have you ever had marco springman on as well i have not so he's he's a i mean they're both they're they're two really very very talented young people and um they're doing great work and um you know they're both vegans themselves and um but they're doing terrific work and um you know, I just it's it's hard to get people to pay attention because, you know, we're so programmed to sort of think that we're so programmed. To, I mean, it's pathetic. We are so programmed to think that if we have meatless, you know, that I'm putting aside the moral issue, but that we're making a great environmental contribution if we, you know, pursue meatless Monday. I mean, it's just meatless monday which is uh omelet yeah. monday for most people it's yeah exactly exactly i mean it's it, it, it you know i mean but but even frankly i would prefer vegan monday over meatless monday but even a vegan monday the idea that you know that, i mean you know it's been suggested to me that well you know maybe you should start vegan monday and i said you know what i said maybe 30 years ago i would have thought that that was an all right you know that that you know get you know Tell people you ought to be vegan every day, but, you know, maybe you ought to try it. You know, you'll see you don't die. You know, give it a try. But now to say, I mean, to, to, to promote the idea, to the meatless Monday idea or a vegan Monday idea in the face of what is happening and the catastrophe that we are going to face, that we're facing now. You know, I mean, it's already happening. Or have you have all the fires out there? We've got there. I mean, the whole middle part of the country is flooded yet again. Um, we had, you know, I, I mean, the, the the climate is. This is not just peculiar weather. This is climate change, and it's only going to get worse. And and it's only going to get worse. And I don't understand why people are. Um, thinking that the solution to this is meatless Monday or, 
recycling their plastic bags or buying a Prius or, I mean, you know, those things may be good to do and I'm not denigrating them. But the bottom line is, if you're not vegan, you are engaging in the most profound insult to the planet. Put aside the moral issue. Put aside the moral issue. You're engaging in the most profound insult environmental insult to the planet the most destructive behavior yeah the most yeah. destructive and yet if we go vegan we solve everything so um yeah. that's the that's the solution and that's why we're here and uh i guess that's why we'll be here again next week and uh and thereafter so thereafter uh, and in into infinity in, uh, into infinity because we are on the internet forever Exactly. And, uh, exactly. So, uh, Although, if global warming persists, then you know, I guess at some point all of the computers will be flooded, right. or they'll. Right. Or can you imagine? N nobody can charge anything, and suddenly we're back to like uh, uh, the basic primitive beings that we are. We might have to talk to each other in the street or something. So. Exactly. Exactly. Can you? I mean, it's sort of interesting because you know. Um, you and I are both old enough to remember. I mean, I, I, I remember when when people started having portable phones and they weighed like ten thousand pounds and they were those, they were uh -huh. like you'd walk around with a suitcase, you know, with your phone in it. And um, and I remember, um, you know, a time when we didn't. I mean, when I first when I was in law school, when I first got out of law school, we didn't have. I, I clerked for two federal judges. The first one I clerked for. We didn't have computers. We had, you know, we sat and we wrote things on yellow pads and secretaries typed them up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and and it was then when I clerked for Justice O'Connor on the Supreme Court was the, you know, that was the first computer I really saw that they had a they had a, a system at the Supreme Court uh, computer system. And it was very, I mean, it was, I mean, the, the, the screens were you know, 12 feet wide. I mean, they were, they were these monster screens and, you know, there was actually very little computing power, power in them, but they were just, they were word processors is what they were. And, um, and now when you think about, you know, everybody's got a phone and, and, you know, you see the, you see people walking down the street, you know, there are four people walking with each other and three of them are on phones. Right, exactly. <laughs> and they feel that the the phone also protects them from harm, like they can cross in the middle of the street and all cars will stop because they're looking at the phones. I, I, I feel like people feel like they're, they're protected looking down at the phone and walking. Uh, you know, and what's, re what's really changed, I, I have to tell you, there's been a profound difference in New York City because you now if you don't want to constantly walk into people you have to sort of be paying attention to who's walking at you because everybody's on their phone and everyone's texting and everyone's looking at their emails and so when you're in midtown manhattan at you know in the middle of the day and there are a lot of people there i can tell you it can it can get really <laughs> get well, I, dangerous. I used to bump you, into people without a phone in midtown manhattan all the time well, so. exactly i mean exactly you can you can you can you'll bump into people as you say when you're not on a phone but but when you've got a lot of people on phones right it is it it's really quite it's quite remarkable and it's like quite texting and driving only texting and walking now. i know i know that's that's not you know i i have i have gotten i've had two people hit me um with their cars 
um, one of one of them hit me fairly hard, and I'm still not quite over that. Um, but uh, but both of them were texting, All right. and um, it's it's dreadful. People should never shouldn't have to touch their phones when they're driving. Right. And don't any text and drive. Don't uh, don't text and walk, and uh, don't eat uh, meat, dairy, fish, eggs, and honey. Yes, yes, and don't wear them. Don't wear don't any. Don't wear animal. Don't use animals. Go. Don't use animals. Don't use. It's a matter. It's a matter of justice. It's a matter anyway, of justice. Thank in. you for uh, being with us today, uh, brother. Uh, justice for Bob. I'll talk to you next week. Okay, yes. we'll talk to you next Take week. Care. Be well. And people can go Take to care. how do I go vegan? How do I go vegan dot com? Yes, and they can go to abolitionistapproach.com, dot com, and they can come to the Facebook page, Gary L. Francie on the Abolitionist Approach to Animal Rights, and they can tell me um, why I'm wrong. And to the extent that I have time, I will try to educate them and whatever. So thank you, Bob. Thank you, Gary. Talk Take care. Bye bye. Professor Gary Francione for being on today's program, uh, as well as Shelby Huffaker from Tory Holistics, one of our great sponsors of San Diego Reggae Vegan Fest, just like Evolution Vegan Dog and Cat Food is. And uh, I want to remind you that VIP tickets for San Diego are now on sale. We are going to have a beer and wine and kombucha garden. Um, and if you, and it, well, certainly general admission uh, gets you in there, but we're going to have a VIP wine and cheese tasting from 4 to 6 p.m. at San Diego Reggae Vegan Fest. Uh, so your VIP ticket gets you a, a festival t-shirt, a tote bag, uh, admission into the wine and cheese tasting, at least seven wines, at least three vegan cheese companies sponsored by Mission Square Market, the only vegan market in San Diego, the only 100% vegan market. And uh, in that goodie bag, you'll find vegan dog and cat treats from Evolution. You'll also get organic food from Evolution. And so we are happening. Okay, so uh, on our next program, we look forward to speaking with Dr. Antenna Roba, and uh, we will talk to you then. Get your tickets now reggaeveganfest.com